Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, uh, to this Sales Development Talk episode with Daryl Prell. So, Daryl, uh, super excited to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about a very interesting topic. I've seen a post about that, and I thought you'd be the perfect person to uh, discuss about it. And it's really going from CMO to CRO, so Chief Marketing Officer to Chief Revenue Officer. So, welcome to the show, Daryl. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing great, doing great. A uh, lot of things, you know, I'm working on right now. So I'm really happy we could uh, get the time to uh, to talk today. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to this, today's conversation. It's a fun conversation. It's something that rarely happens, but it is happening more and more. So, you know, hit me with your questions. What do you want to know? Let's have some fun. And by the way, uh, I do go off topic sometimes. I like to talk, right? So if I'm talking too much, my friend, just yell at me and I'll come back on topic. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I will, but uh, you know, it should be fine, should be fine. Sounds so good. tell us more about your background. That's what I like to, to ask before. Who are you? Who am I? Okay, so this is always a trick question, folks, right? Because if you don't answer it right, they judge you. So just, you know, so I have to start off with the requisite. I am a father. I am a husband. You know, I have two kids, a beautiful wife of over 30 years marriage and a wonderful dog who's a standard schnauzer whose name is Velvet. So that's the home life. But who I am professionally, uh, uh, currently, uh, I made a change a few months back. I am the chief marketing officer of Agorapulse. Agorapulse is uh, one of the top three social media platforms in the world. Um, but beyond that, I am a fellow who began life as a computer programmer, decided that he would go into sales uh, and selling photocopiers door to door, welcome to sales 101, where they throw you in with zero training and you sink or swim. Um, and then went back to coding because I sank. And then went from there to doing uh, coding, to product management, to product marketing, to marketing back to sales. And so I went this back, this yo yo back and forth from sales to marketing over my career. Ultimately, I've been a vice president of sales multiple times, I've been a VP of marketing multiple times. I've been a CMO multiple times, and I just I just wrapped up five years as a CRO at VanillaSoft, one of the top sales engagement platforms in the world. So I like to think of myself as a revenue person. So there you go. That's my long-winded answer. I like that, a revenue person. And um, yeah, that, that's interesting, the the kind of like jumps, you know, and the, the, the move you did from coding to actually selling, and, and then now you're back to kind of, it's a could say selling and, and revenue and kind of the whole overarching kind of subject. 
Um, so I'm really curious to know about your experience at Vanilla, Vanilla Soft. Sorry. So uh, I remember when I started, you know, seeing you pop, pop on LinkedIn and everything. You were CMO at the time. You were doing a lot of content. You know, you have a big personal brand, so you're really famous over there. And um, then you kind of became CRO. And I was like, oh, that's an odd move, you know, CMO to CRO. It's like, you know, it was very interesting. So can you tell me a bit more of what were your responsibility when you were CMO and how that changed when you became a CRO? Sure. So when I was CMO, I had the classic, all you know, everything you might think of in, in a marketing function report to me, whether it be demand generation or it be uh, industry analysts in communications um, or thought leadership in branding. Um, I had a large team, I had a large budget and the whole point, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> I was measured by pretty much one thing, how much how many leads that I contribute and, or, uh, how much revenue that I actually directly bring into the company as far as top of funnel pipeline sales qualified, uh, so MQL, SQL, that was how I was measured. That was my goal of my mandate. Um, the challenge I had in the CMO role was, um, you know, while I had a big budget, my budget was tiny in comparison to my competition, who I had two major competitors, companies you probably, your audience have heard of, one's called Salesloft, one's called Outreach, mm -hmm. and uh, they had raised hundreds of millions. Uh, Outreach had raised, ultimately, in the end, I think over $500 million US. So that, you know, we had never raised any money. So I had a large budget because we were doing very well, mm -hmm. but you still can't outspend the competition. So you really had to get gorilla in your marketing tactics, which is when you would have seen me starting to be more prolific on social media, mm -hmm. because that was a channel, social selling, thought leadership, that didn't cost a lot of money as far as, you know, versus say a Google pay-per-click or a trade show, being a premier sponsor, et cetera. So that yeah. was the tactic there. Uh, and then when I became CRO, uh, and we'll, tell, we'll get to the whole story, uh, they gave me all of sales and all of marketing. So when you, when it's the funny part is so when, you, when you mention the word zero to a, a long, a lifelong marketer, they're going to think conversion revenue optimization, making yeah. sure that you let the landing pages convert better. Um, so with zero chief revenue officer, typically you'll see either they own sales and marketing or they own sales, marketing and customer success. That's kind of the, the, the idea. And the idea is, is that they really own it from uh you know lead to cash that's the whole process that they they own and yeah. they can control the whole to make sure that that the buyer's journey the experience that the individual goes through is consistent throughout mm -hmm. uh and that all the systems are integrated and all the systems are optimized and it's just a wonderful delightful thing so that's uh what happened but of course what precursors all that is usually a moment in time when the previous head of sales for whatever reason, was deemed to not be, you know, uh, meeting the goals and expectations of the company, and they needed to make a change. So, to set the stage for you, at that point in time, most companies they either replace the head of sales with another head of sales, or they bring in a CRO who says they own all of sales and marketing. So that was the stage, that's, and that's what literally happened with me, by the yeah. way. And there's a funny story about that, and I can get into it if you want to. But there, you know, there you go. Okay, and so. Okay, that, that that's interesting on that end. So basically, you had to take care of everything, you know, revenue. So, uh, so you know, so was it like that you had to do CMO, and then suddenly you had like, okay, this whole new job you had to do and keep doing all the CMO stuff, or you know, okay, you, did you? So have the answer, yeah, the short answer there is yes. All right, okay. the short answer, I had to do everything. 
excuse me, which means you have to staff according. You got to have good staff. Yeah. Um, good go to like a support team to really make sure that you trust. Because, for example, when I all of a sudden they say, hey, here's sales, you you now have it too. Um, all of a sudden, I'm going to give sales a lot of love and attention because I'm their new boss, which means I'm going to basically ignore my marketing crew for yeah. probably six months at least. Uh, so they better be ready to run on an autopilot and know what's expected of them, etc. Mm -hmm. What was interesting was is how we got there. So not everybody understands this. Uh, if you've never been a, a, a senior a revenue leader, whether it be sales or marketing, which is a portion of our compensation, like sales reps, is variable, which yeah. is it's performance based, right? So if you hit these goals, you're going to get a bonus commissions, call it what you will. And that was the same case in marketing. The challenge I had was part of my bonus was tied to actual revenue. So mm -hmm. and the issue we had was I was I was delivering the MQLs the marketing qualified leads that both sales and marketing and company leadership agreed was a defined MQL. In other words, we had, you know, whether it be revenue or size or all the all those attributes. And then they weren't closing, at least mm -hmm. not in the way that I was happy with and yeah. not in the way that the company leadership was happy with, which means I wasn't getting my my variable compensation yeah. because it wasn't the MQLs that I brought in. It was the deals that closed, but I was held captive by the sales team. If they sucked, I got nothing. If they were yeah. good, I did well. So the, what preempted all this was like a year before they came to me with the offer, I went in and talked to my CEO and I expressed my displeasure that my compensation, my variable compensation was being impacted negatively because of something that was outside of my control. And I said at the time, I said, if you're ever looking to make a change, I know you're working on trying to fix the situation. If you're looking to make a change, you know, I'm gonna, I wanna put my name in the hat. And I had multiple sales roles, multiple sales leadership, VP roles. And at the time they laughed at me. And they laughed at me because I was the marketing guy. So even then, it wasn't like they came to me and they said, oh, Daryl, let me embrace you. It was like, no, you're the marketing guy. You can't do this. That's not your job. Even though you've got the background, it's not your job. Mm -hmm. So you want to know why it's an odd you know, occurrence? That's one of the reasons. There's a lot of existing stereotypes out there. Okay. I mean, that's I find it's interesting because the more it goes and the more I, I learn and train people, you know, mostly I focus around sales development and really, you know, booking meetings and then, you know, closing also is a big part. But the more it goes and the more I feel like uh, the skills you need for marketing, you also need them to book meetings like copywriting, oh. you know, like writing emails is something if you don't know how to write properly, you're going to get a lot less answers, communicating ideas, problems and solutions. And I think marketing teams are really good at that. And we just separate sales and marketing and, and, and we have this thing called sales and marketing alignment. But often the skills that we need for the jobs are very similar. They are so, so similar. It's scary. So I'll give you an example. We recently just had a marketing global retreat and uh, marketing, which was uh, we brought in my whole team from around, you know, the whole everywhere you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And and we said, uh, we spent a week together the first time since pre-COVID. Yeah. And part of that, what we're doing was we're talking about messaging and a call to action. So whether I'm doing an email invitation or I'm doing uh, an ebook or I'm doing a live stream or a webinar or a podcast, there's always messaging and there's a call to action. And I want you to do something. Mm 
Ideally, I want you to buy my product, but we'll get there. And what did I do when I did this? I actually went up and, and I showed sales videos. I showed, you know, the whole idea of sell me this pen. It sounds stupid. Room full of marketers. And I went up to them and, and I just picked them out of the room and I, I gave them a pen and I said, sell it to me. <clears throat> and they were like, what? I said, sell me this pen. And I, they were, well, we're marketers. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're there to educate and inform and handle objections and anticipate and then ultimately have a call to action. Maybe the call to action is just to sign up or download. I said, but it's you're, you're no different than sales. Sell me this pen. And what would every one of them fall into the trap of? Well, this is a nice pen. It writes really smooth. It feels good in the hand. They're feature pitching, right? Yeah. And then we got in the whole, I showed the video of, you know, always be closing. Uh, was it Victor Victoria or whatever it was? Um, and anyway, it was the whole idea of, uh, in that scene, which is a classic movie, they, they, they have always be closing, but hey, you guys, you're sales, you're not closing. But look at this over here, the second part of that scene, it's ADA, it's attention, interest, desire, action, A-I-D-A. -A. That's what they're trying to tell you how to structure your sales call. That's how you should be structuring your email. That's how you should be structuring your social media post. That's how you should be structuring a landing page abstract about why to join this webinar. You know, mm -hmm. it's whether it's ADA or TTT or, you know, all the other formats out there, but you get the idea. It's formulaic. Messaging, sales, marketing, format, syntax, understanding, connecting with the buyer, re anticipating, reacting, responding, earning trust, developing a relationship, um, progressing the deal. It's the same. It's a thousand percent the same. The only difference is one is top of funnel, one is bottom of funnel. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. I think it's it's you you explain it really well. And it's funny this ADA and ABC. Mm -hmm. ADA is like we still use it to to that day. So it seems like you know these are really old concepts that we've been always using. And if you think about, um, for me, I think I love you know infomercials in the US where they have this yes. black and white. That's the problem, you know. And then that's the solution. And then you have like you know all these kind of ways we capture prospects attention with problems and very often in marketing if you go to any website they talk about how we can maximize make more and you know like book a demo and everything when you should actually talk often more about what's the problem you're solving and so it's, I found it's, it's funny you say that because that's another thing that i've done before in the past on, on the marketing side is i've actually made fun of if you talk about infomercials for those of a certain age you will know of vince the ShamWow guy, and or he can he sells a, a ShamWow is just a little to shammy, a little you know thing to wipe up water or spills. But he had another one which was a celery chopper, uh, or you know, vegetable up. chopper. Yeah, chop chop. Yeah, you got it. Is that, yeah. And if you listen to his messaging, it's epic and it's all tight and and, and can constrained and you're engaged. And I'm like, be more like Vince. Don't go to jail like Vince. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, be the messaging like Vince. Yeah. That's a, like he nails it, right? It's entertaining, it's engaging. You 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 just want to say, take my money. And yeah. that's marketing and that's sales. And and it's incredible. Uh so I love that you brought that up. I have no one's brought that to me in years. So well done, my friend. <laughs> Good. Let's go back to, to your experience at becoming a, a CRO from CMO. So in your post, you said that was one of your toughest professional years. Can you tell us yeah. what? Oh God, <laughs> I'm in therapy, brother. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, that's just, it's just how scarring it is. It was a tough year. It was, it was the hardest year of my life. 
and it's funny because I'm going through the exact same situation now. Uh, let's all share all this at Agora Pulse, uh, only not as the head of sales. I am the head of marketing, but I do own inside sales, you know, the, the SDRs, et cetera. So I still own a lot of the sales team. Um, and the reason it was tough was because both Agora Pulse and Vanilla Soft had the exact same situation, which is they were historically a company that was fed by inbound leads. Mm -hmm. So make a lot of content, do a lot of events, um, you know, do a lot of you know, activities where you can get found organically, you get a lead in, and then the sales reps, you know, the marketing team qualifies it, and then market uh, sales picks it up from that point in time, and away you go. I called, you know, because I'm gonna, I know, I'm gonna anger a lot of your audience right now. For many of those organizations, I call that order taking. You're not actually selling. You're taking a lead that you didn't find, that yeah. you didn't prospect. It's come to you. It's got a high intent signal because they were probably doing a Google search or they they consume multiple pieces of content. They're very familiar with you. They've already been educated by the marketing team. And they've already put their hand up and they said, yeah, I may be interested in your product. And you're simply going, you're calling them, you're answering their questions, but you're not necessarily selling them. You're just answering their questions. And then you're saying, give me your credit card. I'm simplifying yeah. it. But that's that's a very common sales model. We had that at VanillaSoft. We had that at Gora Pulse. The minute you want to go and do a couple things, you either want to increase your average selling price or you want to uh, go up mid-market, maybe from uh, SMB to mid-market or mid-market to enterprise. <clears throat> the only way you can truly do that is by having an outbound sales team, not an inbound sales team, an outbound sales team. And when you have an outbound sales team, that means you need to now physically start for the first time in your life, prospecting, where we say, here's a list of your people. This is, this is your ICP, your ideal customer profile. These are your target personas. Maybe in the Vanillazov case, I would sell to a head of sales. I would sell to a head of marketing and I would sell to a head of rev ops. So those are your three core personas. And maybe you want to talk to a CFO because there's a financial angle. Yeah. So there's at least four, maybe a CEO, that's five, maybe a user, that's six, multi-thread the account, away you go. Um, this is a bunch of people who have never sold in their life. They do not know how to pick up a phone or send an email that engages a cold prospect. Mm -hmm. And then when they get them on the phone, they panic and they fall back into old habits, which is feature dumping because on an inbound model, that's what it is. So why was it the hardest year of my life? It was the hardest year of my life because of the following reasons. <clears throat> Culturally, the company was wired one way. I had to wire it the complete opposite way. Mm -hmm. To do that, you're going to actually end up losing a large portion of your sales team because they just simply will not make that transition. They're just yeah. not able to do it. But you have to go through the process and the pain of giving them a chance to succeed. And then in the process, you're constantly coaching them, which means now you're bringing in things like these are the this is how you sell. So, for example, when I took on the CRO role, I did it on one condition, which is uh, two conditions. Uh, three, actually. One, I build a RevOps team. Two, I build a sales enablement team to coach and train the people. So yeah. RevOps was for systems and, and measurability. Um, two, sales enablement was for training. And the third is I can hire these people anywhere in the world, no matter how, it's just kind of one of the best. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> what you end up doing is trying to put in all these systems. So now you went from order taking, where it's like, you know, yeah, I'll answer your questions. So you give me your credit card. To saying now we have to actually do this proper discovery, like MedPick or Spice or whatever your system is. Yeah. And people just want to jump past that because they want to get to the demo. They don't mm -hmm. understand 
that a demo only makes sense if, if it's addressing their needs. If you, and, and the demo should be highly tailored based on what you get out of discovery. Yeah. Then there's the systems that, you know, I, I had to actually put in checks and balances in the systems that are gated. So you cannot jump to the end of a sales stage without having completed all the steps. Because if you don't complete all the steps, you're screwed eventually when it comes to price yeah. negotiation or getting beat by the competition because they multi-threaded the account and you didn't. Then teaching these people to multi-thread the account was scary as hell because I don't want to upset my sponsor. So I'm not going to multi-thread the account. So you go through this massive cultural shift, implementing massive systems, implementing massive process, investing a ton of money when they're looking at you saying, well, didn't we hire you for this? Why are you bringing in all these experts? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you watch in the course of the process, people leave anyway. And yeah. then you see your revenues dip and you have to tell the, 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 the leadership and the investors, don't worry, we knew this was going to happen. It will come back and it will be great. And then introducing the concept of forecasting and making sure they update their systems and then having proper coaching. None of that happens in, typically in an inbound sales world. So it was exhausting because I still had a marketing job I had to run too to feed the machine. So I still had all the pain in the ass elements of that staff and that challenge. God bless them. I love them. They were great. But still, people are people. And then I had this. And in the end, what you end up doing was you have to be a sometimes, a this is going to sound wrong, a bully. When people don't want to follow the systems, and often they don't want to follow the systems, yeah. you have to kind of like, hey, either you go or you say, are you the right person in the right seat? Are you the right person in the wrong seat? Are you the wrong person? And you should get out of that seat. And and so it's not just that, but it's also teaching the corporate culture, sales yeah. as a performance game. You're wired to keep your employees as long as possible. Sales, if you don't cut it, you're out of here. And so now you got HR and the CEO going, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. This is not our culture. No, it's not mm -hmm. our company culture. It is a sales culture. So yeah. you're battling so many fronts. It's exhausting. Exhausting. Mm -hmm. Whew, long answer. Not was answer. And this is why I actually am the only person in my company and I will always be the only person in my company because basically what you described is, uh, is transformation. You know, you have to do like a transformation of culture that involves humans. And, you know, it's always the same when you have an inbound uh, led kind of like sales organization and you're pivoting to outbound. It's traumatizing for everyone because as you said you know most people won't make it and you know you have to give them a chance but most won't and so you're going coaching and doing all of these things and it's insanely complicated and that's the thing is like um and i think nowadays it's a bit different where people are trying to optimize and get more money out of the reps they hire and not just like throw uh bodies at like a quota but you know that's that's something we've seen a lot where we're like okay now you know we've had a good inbound motion now we need to triple our deal size and you know do a lot more money and reach this this stage and then you do the outbound and as you said you know if if like you're dealing with inbound leads and order taking you know like captivating or just stopping prospects in their tracks when you're doing some outbound is is another skill it's really tough and it's something people are just you know not willing to learn so easily so that's that's challenging and for me i'm so lucky because the first sales job i, I took the real sales job I ever took was a purely outbound sales job, no marketing, nothing, just outbound. Yeah. And I got lucky because now everything's yeah. so simple. You know, yeah. just like I've been used to getting rejected and everything. And now I'm just like, oh my God, this is just too simple. 
So, uh, <laughs> well, now you understand, right? You've gone through it. You've been rejected, and and now you've gone through it. And now you realize, oh, it's a process. This is, a, you know, yeah. that's rejection. That's just part of the process, you know, and and you know, whatever, move on. But you have to go through that process. One of the things I tell people over and over again, whether you're in sales or marketing or any kind of role, who have aspirations of leadership, right? So, Daryl, how do I become a CMO one day? How do I become a VP of sales? How do I become a CRO? I tell them over and over again, I said, listen, you need to know those skills. That's a given. So everything you've just talked about, you need to know. You need to know those skills. But you're, what they never teach you <clears throat> and they never prepare you for is the role of a leadership is 90% soft skills. In other words, teaching people how to follow you, how to respect you, how, how to hold them accountable, how to paint the vision, how to understand that sometimes people just have bad days. You know, and and to not yell at them or to know when to yell at them or when to encourage them. Yeah, it's all soft skills. And I I look at my role here at Agorapulse when I came here. They were so excited about my CRO background, and I, people are probably wondering, well, Dara, why did you go back to being a CMO? I'll answer that question in a moment. Um, they were so excited about my revenue background because Agorapulse is going through the same transition as we talked about that Vanilla Soft went through. Okay. That they they were like, Daryl, you're like you're going to be the best friend by your role of marketing to our head of sales. But we don't want you just to be the best friend because you're the marketer, you're the top of the funnel guy. <clears throat> we want you to be the best friend to teach them how to do this because our head of sales, her name is Jenny, she's phenomenal. But she's been with the company since 2014. So she's only known this company as an inbound company. So for her, <clears throat> this is the first time going through this outbound cultural transition that I went through. And I have warned her from the very beginning this is a bitch. This is hard as hell. You're going to cry. You're going to, you're going to doubt yourself. You're going to get yelled at. You're going to get so stressed out. And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then as time as the years gone on over and over again, she's like, oh my God, you were right. And I would tell her there would be these milestones. And if I, at one point I said to her, I said, <clears throat> there's going to come a point in this transition where you're, and, and folks, this is not me what I'm about to say. This is just life. <clears throat> where you're going to say, I don't give a flying F anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm done trying to accommodate you and your special needs and how you're different and how you're special, how you think your system works better or how you don't like the script or how you just want to go right. You don't want to, you don't have time to update the forecast or whatever it might be. You're at the point where you say, I don't care. This is it. Like it, love it. Get the hell out of here. Whatever it might be. I'm done trying to placate you. This is how we're selling. And you're the courses you teach. And uh, I mean, folks, I, I don't know if you know this. Um, this guy's freaking brilliant. In the process of doing this, we ourselves went and bought his courses uh, for our staff and we shared it. And everybody was like, oh my God. And what was it like? Because it's just a I'm minimizing what this man does. Well, I, I'm going to say to you, it's just a process. It's not just a process. It is a winning process that if you follow, you will be successful. The problem is humans take to follow it because they think they know better or they want to get lazy or they want to take shortcuts, whatever it might be. <clears throat> but yeah, you get to a point in that when you just like go, I, I, I'm either going to have a nervous breakdown or I'm just going to say, I don't give a flying F anymore. And this is the way it's going to be. And I said to Jenny, I said, the minute that happens, the minute you say, I don't care anymore. I said, now you're a true head of sales. <laughs> now, 
It's all about exactly what you just said. Yeah, rejection happens. Get over it. You know, yeah. this is the way it is. It's just get over it. I said, you stop being invested in their feelings. I know that sounds so anti-politically correct. And you start being invested in outcomes and processes yeah. and success. And it's amazing when you get past that stage and finally the staff and the sales team see it, then they go, oh my God, this is incredible. And you're mm -hmm. like, why the hell did you fight me so much along the way? Because change mm -hmm. is scary. And that's why it's a bitch of a year. I just want to let you know, you know now. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. You put like a really good explanation to a feeling I have where for me, I mean, I've, I've been always doing some outbound and, and like it's just like kind of developing you you develop kind of a thick carapace into your yes your profession but also your life your personal life where you just like go with the flow and you know things are sometimes not working as you want and it's just it's yeah who cares it's fine it's just a part of it part of you know sometimes it's good sometimes it's not but just go along enjoy the journey and so for me it's like really like i i kind of I think outbound is a really great way for people who have really strong emotional spikes where they're like really happy and then really down. I, I don't know if it's good therapy, but just like it gets you to be grounded and be like, you know, everything's fine. What's the process? <laughs> so sometimes I should be sad. I'm not. Sometimes I should be happy. I'm not. I'm just, I'm fine. <laughs> so Right. Because you've gone through the cycle so many times yeah. now, right? You've seen the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows. After a while, you're like, okay, I, I've, I've seen, I've watched this movie before. I know how it goes. Right. And then all of a sudden to your point, then you start becoming just middle of the road, just kind of, you know, you're calm. Cause, and it's so funny because, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll use the example. We're in a bit of a, people may have noticed our, our economy is not doing so well these days and the inflation is a little bit high and supply chain challenges. And because of that, people are getting a little cautious about spending money and, and they're delaying decisions and that makes prospecting even harder maybe deal sizes are smaller and because of that companies are having to sometimes reduce their their cash flow to make sure they're not losing too much money they might even lay off people that's just reality it's it's that life experience right there in sales as in any kind of corporation like you know six months ago i turned to my crew everybody here that are gora pulse including jenny my head of sales and i said you should have a plan in place. Just think about it. That says, if I had to cut 10%, 15%, 20% of my staff to reduce costs, you know, where would I cut? I said, if you're going to replace somebody, if somebody is not performing and you have to get rid of them, you, I said, you may want to look at, you know, maybe I don't replace them. Maybe I just wait a little bit. And, and so the answer was like, why? And why, Daryl? You know, we have goals to hit and all this stuff. I said, because I've been here before. I've been through a few economic downturns. I can see on the horizon, this is what's going to happen. So just plan for it. That way it doesn't freak you out when all of a sudden we all go, okay, we have to cut 10%. Yeah. No one no one likes it, but that's the reality. And when you see it, you're like, yeah, okay, we have to cut 10%. I'm, I'm, I was ready for this. I've, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I mm -hmm. prepped the people. I maybe even told them in the back, you know, behind the channels, you may want to look for a plan B job in case, you know, times are really tough here. Um, sales is the same way. Mm -hmm. Once you see it enough times, you're like, yep, yeah, I get it. And it's so funny because the best example of that is prospecting, right? They're so busy closing business. And I have to say to them, don't stop prospecting. Don't stop prospecting. Pipe is life because what's going to happen is you're going to suck it dry and have a great quarter and have nothing left in the tank. And you're going to like just get a big fat goose egg in the next quarter. Mm -hmm. I said, 
it's a cycle. You always got to have pipe. You always got to be prospecting. And they don't understand that part. They get so excited closing that they stop prospecting. And then that happens once or twice. And all of a sudden, you know, they go, okay, it's not going to happen anymore because yeah. it's in my control. Exactly. That's the beauty of sales. Everything's in your control. Exactly. At least, I mean, the input is, is in control and there's always a kind of a, something that goes out of it, the output. And then you, once you know your output, you just, you can adjust the input and work on parameters. But yeah, it's about prospecting every day, consistency. And I always say to people, it's better to do 30 minutes every day than working 10 hours prospecting once a week or once a month, just 30 minutes every day, do it for 30 days, then it become a habit and it's a really healthy one to have. And I love that what you just said there, then it becomes a habit. That is the best piece of advice in this whole episode, folks. Then it becomes a habit. And it's true. It just becomes normal. I tell people, they always oh, I don't have time or I'm busy doing this. I'm like, you totally have time. You control your destiny. There's this wonderful basic tactic you can use in sales and in life called time blocking. So to your point, I just want to put 30 minutes every single day or an hour every single day, and that's my prospecting. And that time is blocked. I said, if you change your mind and let somebody schedule over that time block prospecting, I said, you gave up control. Mm -hmm. See, you have control. Sales is you have control. Just mm -hmm. like the biggest thing I find with people uh, is that, you know, there's a lot of fears about sales, but it's the whole idea of rejection, right? And I don't want to, I don't want to do omni-channel outreach. I don't want to use the phone. I'll hide behind email. I might do social. I don't want to use the phone. Phone is scary. If I talk to a live person and they reject me, they yell at me, they call me names. I'm not. I'm going to avoid that. It's rejection. And it's like again, you have control on how you react to that. Mm -hmm. You can react to that that you've been attacked, or you can react to that and say, okay, they're just not ready for this incredible good news that I have for them, mm -hmm. and that's you know that's that's on them. I don't. It's not on me. That's something. Maybe they're a bitter, angry person. Maybe they're under stress. Maybe they've got a bad home life. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Who the hell knows? Mm -hmm. I choose how to react to that. That's sales. That is sales. Yeah. The minute you stop choosing how you want to own your day, manage your process, react to circumstances, is the minute you fail in sales. The minute you say, I own this. I'm in control. I am accountable. I'm going to follow the systems that sales labs says I need to follow. That's the minute you have success. It's, 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 it's like following a diet. If you, if you stop doing the diet, you're going to gain weight. Yeah. You stay on the plan, you lose weight. It's yeah. really simple. It's amazing how many sales reps fight that. Yeah. That was, that, that was, that was really good. Yeah. And people would think uh, I paid you to actually say th nice things about my system and everything, but I didn't. <laughs> no, so, uh... You know what's cool about your system? You know, this is what people don't understand. This is, so I'll, I'll use the diet metaphor again, right? So I can say, I want to go uh, paleo or I want to go keto. Mm -hmm. All right. So, okay, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Okay, here we go. My next question is, how do I eat? What are the ingredients I need? I don't know how to cook for that. Oh, this is going to be hard. So you don't get stuck on the diet. You get stuck on how to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And then often you fail because you just don't know how to buy the ingredients or where to find mm -hmm. the ingredients or whatever it might be. Okay. That's what's beautiful about your system. It's like, okay, I want to be a successful salesperson, but what are the steps I follow? What should I do? That's what your system is. Your system says, we did the math. We did the work. Just do this. Trust us. 
And we're going to tell you along the way the challenges you're going to have. But don't worry, we got more steps involved to tell you how to do it. Just follow the plan. And uh, the challenge for sales reps, here's the irony. If you really want to control your destiny, is you have to give up control and instead follow somebody who's been there before you and knows what works and what doesn't. In other words, too many sales reps are trying to take control back all the time and say, no, no, I'm going to go off script because I know better right now. I'm in control. No, you're not in control. You're just you're just resisting following best practice because for whatever reasons is, I don't know, childhood trauma, who the hell knows? Yeah. Follow the system. This is what it's all about. Absolutely. Good. No, that, that that's that's great. And follow the system, stay consistent. So Daryl, that was a really, really good talk. Um, if people want to hear more about you and you know ask you questions or anything, where can they can they reach out? Well, the best place is always LinkedIn. Uh Daryl Prail. It's all, the only Daryl Prail out there. Um or you can Google me. Uh, it's a very uncommon name when you put them together. So there's, I'll be your top match. Uh, although years ago, there was apparently a prail in Western Canada who murdered her mother, who was outranking me for a while. So okay. um, so don't don't click on that person. That person's yeah, scary. Yeah. Come to me. So that's your best bet. There you go. <laughs> okay. And I mean, you're, you're out there like that. You have hundreds of podcast episodes, hundreds of videos. and So... I, for, for anyone, if you don't know Daryl, first, where were you? And second, just go and check what, you know, all these things. There's basically all your, you know, like I, when you started documenting you through podcasts, you know, there's years of, uh, of content and, and gold nuggets. So I think go check Daryl on LinkedIn everywhere and you'll get some great value. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 Texas people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up. 